0: And we're going to carry on in chapter 12 of Romans, where, because in the, in the next few verses, Paul gets really practical. And he seems to be asking the question, how do we need to change the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about church, and the way we think about the community around us? How do we change our thinking so that we're actively living together, actively serving each other, uh, sacrificially giving to each other? How do we change our thinking? So would you turn in your Bibles to Romans 12? Romans 12, and let's start at verse 3. Anyone got the page number? Sorry. 1, 1139. Thanks. So verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We all have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Because love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Just look, verse 3. Paul says, I say this to every one of you. To every one of you. In other words, Paul is speaking to each one of us here because we're all in this together. I mean, just look around you. Go on, I dare you, just take a little look around. This is our church family, or at least part of it. We are each part of this body, and everything we choose to do affects the people sitting around us. And Paul gives us three specific instructions on how we should think of ourselves in the light of that. He says, don't think too highly of yourself, don't think independently of yourself and don't think too lowly of yourself so first one verse three don't think of yourself more highly than you ought he says and we all know we live in an age that's obsessed with self isn't it self-image self-promotion self-satisfaction 54 percent of teenagers apparently want to be a celebrity you know that's their aspiration in life their goal an easy route to greatness. And it's not a new thing. I mean, Jesus' disciples wanted it too. They had an argument of who would be the greatest. And Jesus turned on them and said, you know what? Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now I think if we're honest each one of us would say we don't really need selfish lessons to learn to be selfish. (laughs) That all comes too naturally to us. What we need is serving lessons to help us learn to be servants but Paul tells us here it's not just about actions it's not just about what we do it's firstly about our attitudes how we think. Do we think of ourselves more highly than we ought he says having a right view of ourselves. This is the answer to selfishness, to self-importance, having a right view of ourselves. You know, this is the start of learning to, to serve humbly and willingly and obediently. Because serving is not simply what I do. A servant is who I am. This is who I am. This is how I should think of myself. And that's what Jesus taught us. That's what he showed us through his life and his death. And without this attitude, we'll find ourselves saying things like, oh, I can't do that. No, 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 don't ask me to do that. I can't can't do that. Or I'm definitely not doing that. That will be our fallback. We'll be thinking of ourselves. We'll be thinking what fits with our lifestyle, our schedule, our preferences. No, I'm not doing that. But when we have the attitude of a servant, our fallback is, oh, oh, I could do that. Oh, yes, yes, I I can do that. That's our fallback. And Jesus continually surprised, even shocked people with his irrational acts of serving love. You know, he was this great leader, this amazing teacher. People followed him to wherever he went. People crowded around him just to see him, to hear him, to touch him. He was their champion, and yet he would see a need, the smallest of needs, and he would stop, he would pause, and he would look, and he would listen. You know, just think about it, a blind man by the side of the road that people had passed by for years, never taking any notice of him, a woman with a hemorrhage that, again, nobody had noticed, nobody wanted to get near, a demon-possessed man, deserted by everyone, left on the outskirts of the town a despised Samaritan woman, ostracized by everyone. And Jesus saw the needs around him, and he would stop and look, and he would listen to their needs, and he would reach out to them. Nothing and nobody was beneath him. And I just wonder if that's something, uh, something worth training ourselves in. When we see a need to just pause, just pause for a moment, instead of rushing on, instead of just pushing past, Just pause and look and listen. Listen to see what God, to hear what God might be saying to us. and ask ourselves, is this a need that's mine to meet? Is this one mine? Because if something's left undone and we notice it, we're more than likely the one God wants to use to do something about it. The very fact that we've noticed something means that we we have that eye for detail or that heart for a situation or that understanding of an issue. So don't dismiss it. Don't walk past. Just pause and think to yourself, why have I noticed that? What is God saying to me? Is that one mine? I remember a little while back, I was coming back from uh, Gatwick Airport. Um, My plane had been severely delayed and I'd come in very late, much later than I'd uh, expected. And uh, I'd gone down onto the station platform to get a train back to Clapham Junction, and uh, there was a, a, a crowd, quite a crowd there, and they'd obviously had too much to drink on their plane home, and uh, it was all quite rowdy, and I was just, you know, on my own, and I was just feeling a little bit sort of vulnerable, and I looked down the platform, and I saw this young family, this young black family, uh, mum and a dad and two young children uh, standing there, and I thought... I'll just go over towards them and get on the carriage with them, and don't, it'll just make me feel a little bit sort of safer. And as I got on the carriage behind them, I just felt God saying to me, it's not for you, it's for them. It's not for you, it's for them. So I just sort of held on to that, and as we were sitting opposite in the, in the carriage, and I saw that they were looking, looking up at uh, Train times, and they were, they were obviously sort of talking between each other about their next bit of their journey. And so I, I, I started up a conversation, and uh, they'd just come in from Zimbabwe, and uh, uh, they were going to stay with family in Colchester. And she had um, a job, she was a nurse, and she had a job that was about to start the next morning at eight o'clock the next morning. Can you believe it? They'd only just arrived in the country. And um, she, was, she, she, was, she was very anxious about this because she said, you know, I must get there in time to start this job or I might, or I might lose it. And uh, what they were planning to do was to, uh, it was about one o'clock in the morning, they were planning to go to King's Cross and then just wait there in the station until the first train went out to Colchester, which they, they were looking up and looked about six o'clock in the morning. And um, I just said, look, you know, it's the middle of winter and you've got two little children and that's going to be four or five hours just in a, you know, probably with everything closed down, you know, you're going to be in a, you know, the cold outside. And uh, um, so... We just started talking, and I, I, I actually said to them, look, we, we live near Clapham Junction. You could come and just bed down in our house and then go off you know, first thing in the morning. Anyway, they didn't want to do that. So I said, okay, let's get off, and let's see. if I, I'll, I'll just phone and see what price an Uber might be, and let's see if we can get the best deal for you to go straight to Colchester rather than wait. And, um, and that's what we did, and um, I, I waved them off. I've never seen them again, but their names were Joseph and Grace, and they were Christians from Zimbabwe, and it was just such a, such, a, such a small thing to do, such a tiny thing. But actually, I just felt so glad as I walked home. I just felt, said, thank you, God, for allowing me to welcome them in that way into our country um, and just hopefully get them, you know, to their place. And all because he put me on the same carriage with them and said, this one's yours. This one's yours. So first of all, let's ask for that servant attitude that that, that Jesus so beautifully and powerfully displayed right the way through his life. Ask God to show us how to respond to to the needs around us. I mean, we can't respond to every need, but we can ask him, is this one mine? Is this one mine? Ask him to take away any spirit of selfishness, self-absorption, superiority, even judgmentalism. Ask him to help us really see people. Not looking through them, not thinking we're above them. Not thinking to ourselves, you know, I can't do that. Or I'm definitely not doing that. But thinking, yes, yes, I I could do that. I can do that. So Paul speaks out against the attitude that sets ourselves over and above others. And he also speaks out against the attitude that sets ourselves apart from others. Verses 4 and 5. He comes against that independent spirit, the individualism that is so prevalent in the world around us, and if we're not careful, in ourselves. And he reminds us that we belong to each other. Verse 5, in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You see, when we commit ourselves to a church family, we commit ourselves to working as a body together. Now, we'd probably all agree that our bodies, our physical bodies, are amazing things when working properly. You know, we have all these different parts with all very individual functions, extraordinary functions. I don't understand the heart, fit, you know, the, heart the liver, you know, the kidneys, the, the lungs, you know, extraordinary. Extraordinary diversity, but amazing Unity. They all work together. They depend on each other. They're not competing against each other, but completing each other. And each individual part is absolutely vital for the whole body to function effectively. And we know that as soon as one thing starts to go wrong. And Paul is taking that picture and simply saying, the same is true in the church family. So here at St. Mark's, you know, everyone is needed Everyone has a vital part to play. And without any one of us, we're not complete. The body isn't whole. Something's missing. Now, is that how you see yourself? Do you have a right view of your place here in the St. Mark's family? Do you see that you are an indispensable to the body here? Or do you think... Who you are and what you do is actually of no great importance to the life of this church. That You can come and go on a Sunday and actually it doesn't make much difference to anyone else here. Because if you think that, it's a lie. And you're robbing yourself and you're robbing others of your gifts, of your friendship, of your unique contribution. You see, there are no independent, isolated Christians. Every believer should belong to a body. And that body is the church family that each of us commits to. And Paul tells us here: each member belongs to the other. We belong to each other. Is that how you think? I was standing at the door welcoming people this morning, and and I suppose because this had been very much on my mind, as people poured in for the nine o'clock service, the 9:30 service, I just found myself welling up. I just kept on hearing God saying, This is your family. This is who you belong to, and they belong to you. This is your family. Not just going to church. We are the church. Not just something we do. It's who we are. We belong to each other. And, you know, this is radical thinking. It's not as the world thinks. It's renewed thinking which transforms lives. And I don't know if you realize how many things happen in this church building during the week. I wish you were here to just see the myriad of teams that work together, reaching out to so many different, in so many different ways to the community around us. Let me name just a few, just to give you an idea. One-stop shop, meeting on a Monday morning, supporting those suffering from domestic abuse. Future skills, happening every day in the crypt, helping kids excluded from school. Mediation services, settling neighbourhood disputes, disputes between families. Spear, getting 16 to 24-year-olds, often from very difficult backgrounds, into their first job or further employment. Food bank, wonderful food bank, supplying food parcels and so much more to people in crisis. Rise and Shine, playgroup for mums and toddlers in the area, getting them together. Night shelter, again, about to start this winter, giving food and a bed for the homeless on a Wednesday night. Cheer, supporting single parents over Sunday lunches. Wonderful ministry. Infuse, giving a safe place for kids to meet after school. All of these and many more happening under this one roof. And most of them are only able to function because of volunteers, members of the church, giving their time. All of them, you know, not just offering a service, but reaching out to people in need, people in crisis, to the very different needs in our community. And I can't tell you, it's such a wonderful thing seeing week after week, day in, day out, this body, this church family working together, offering help, love, support, encouragement, hope to people in crisis. Many, many people. And I'm just in awe of the commitment and vision and passion so many of you have for these ministries. This is the body working together. Just watch this film a minute and see what it takes to transform this building for just two of those ministries, for Rise and Shine and for Food Bank. Take a look at this. The church in action, the body working together. So, not thinking too highly of yourself, not thinking independently by yourself, but working together. And thirdly, not thinking too lowly of ourselves. Paul says, verse six, you know, we all have different gifts. And he mentions here just seven gifts, all very different, but all very important for the body to function effectively, just seven gifts. There's other, uh, there's, uh, there's other lists in the, in the rest of the New Testament, but this has just, uh, just mentioned seven of them. And I, the thing I love about this particular list is that the things we would call small or insignificant are put alongside the things that we might consider uh, rather special, for rather special people, upfront people. So, for example, prophesying is put alongside serving. Teaching is put alongside encouraging. Leadership is put alongside meeting the needs of others. Giving financially is put alongside showing mercy and cheerfulness. Even cheerfulness is on the list. You know, we can all do that one. It's brilliant. It reminds us that in the kingdom of God, there's no distinction between what we would like to call the little things or the big things, they're all important, they're all special, they're all necessary for the body to work well, and one isn't elevated above another, so just as we shouldn't think of ourselves too highly, we shouldn't think of ourselves too lowly either, you know, for goodness sake, don't think to yourself, oh, oh, uh, my contribution isn't worth much, you know, I've got nothing much to give, I, I can't see how I'd make any difference in a church like this, no no for the body to work we all have a part to play you know the key the key thing is to just find our place ask God what do you want me to do Lord where do I fit in the body where could my particular gifts be used Lord give me a challenge send me out show me something different I felt so sad the other day when someone said they were leaving St. Mark's because it was too comfortable Well, friends, if you're feeling comfortable, we've got plenty of ways to make you feel uncomfortable. (laughs) And I would encourage each of us to have a consistent place where we serve, where, yes, we're pulled out of our comfort zone, either in the church or out in the community. Don't leave it to chance. Don't leave it to the occasional opportunity. Work out how and where you can systematically and persistently serve others. Because when we serve others... God changes lives and the first life to be changed is ours and I found that out in a very real way when I when I did night pastors I volunteered for night pastors I thought you know it was going to be a a great ministry for serving the uh, the community for getting out there and, and 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 showing that we were we were we were helping the community but no the first person God changed was me, getting out there and suddenly realizing, you know, that I'd lost connection with a certain group of people, that I'd lost that, that real sort of cutting edge of evangelism, of talking about Jesus just out there on the street. It wasn't first and foremost about helping people tumbling out of, the, uh, out of the nightclubs. It was about getting out there and saying, what's in your heart? What have you got to share? What's in there? Now, just watch this next film clip. I just, I just love it. I know some of you may have seen it before, but here we have just four members of St. Mark's telling their story of serving, telling us what it means to them, what it's done for them. And I just think it's so powerful. Those testimonies and these verses in Romans 12 just smash the consumerism with which we often come to church. They turn what can I get into what can I give. They turn living for self into living for Jesus. And you see, service is at the heart of the Christian life. It's the lifeblood of Christian community, of the family, of the church. Changing us from what can I get to what can I give. Not because we ought to, not because we're forced to, not even because it's good for us. But because God's love motivates us to love others as he has loved us. Just look at verse 9 onwards. It's all about love. Love is what motivates us. Love that's real and genuine and deep. A love, we're told here, that's persistent and active and willing and patient and faithful and entirely practical. Then you love the way it ends with just practice hospitality. How simple can it get? A love that isn't passive and sentimental but energetic and challenging and stretching and inspiring. And that's the kind of love that God has shown us. And that's the love he asks us to pass on to others. So shall we do it? Shall we do it together? As a body? As the family of St. Mark's? Let's get our thinking right so that we can serve faithfully, humbly and passionately. Shall we stand? Let's just take a moment as the band comes up. And let's ask God to make us uncomfortable. And Lord, if I've been just uh, pulling back in any way, if I've been just settling for an easy, easy way, for not stretching, not stretching myself, not putting myself in those places where, yes, I can have that challenge, rise to a new challenge, Lord, I pray that for each one of us here, you would put a new challenge in front of us. You would show us where we can give of our gifts, where we can serve others. You would give us eyes for our community, for the people that we pass in, in the, every day in the street. And you would help us to ask that question, is this one mine? Is this one mine? And we thank you that your spirit prompts us, helps us, to know the answer to that question. Your spirit gives us that right attitude that says, yes, yes, I could do that. Yes, I could go there. Yes, I can do that. And Lord, we ask that you would change us, change our attitudes, change our thinking, change our hearts.